Hello, and welcome to today's episode of In Fellowship, the podcast where we explore community building through a chapter-by-chapter read of The Lord of the Rings. My name is Ellen. And my name is Anna. And in today's episode, we're discussing Book 4, Chapter 5, The Window on the West, discussing knowledge in community. Ellen. Mm-hmm. As the listeners know by now, unless they've chaotically decided to start listening here, Mm -hmm. we are siblings, have been our entire lives. My question for you is this. What do you think the Faramir equivalent Mm. is to counting the amount of photos of them and their sibling around the house to ensure that there are exactly the same number because fairness? Um, Did I do that? You did do that. Oh, no. <laughs> and then you pulled out additional photos of yourself oh, because the number was not equal. How? When did I do that? You were definitely in high school. Oh, my God. <laughs> and That's I just really, really wanted to know what you think the Middle Earth <laughs> equivalent of that would be. That's why um, there's that huge baby photo of you on the um, that table behind Dad's couch. Oh. He did not put that out. You chose to put that out <laughs> about the time that I got my senior photos done. And I, like, couldn't handle you having the senior photos out and me not having the same amount wow. of photos. Ugh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's, um, that's really... Faramir is so much better adjusted than I am, is what I, or at least, you know, however old he is here, 32-year-old Faramir is much better adjusted than 13-year-old Ellen, Mm -hmm. perhaps. I mean, we do get, like, a brief look into their their youth um, but only insofar as Faramir kind of throws some shade on Boromir is like mm-hmm. yeah he always had a chip on his shoulder about this whole not really a prince thing so I guess in this metaphor I'll be Boromir and you can be <laughs> Faramir <laughs> and you'll be uh... like yeah we're, we're stewards and I'll be like but we could be princes <laughs> right I just loved the insight. I think it's a much more interesting dynamic between Faramir and Boromir in this chapter. And we get so much more of an interesting insight to their relationship and to their relationship to their stewardship and to their father that I think it was an interesting experiment to think about, like, how would this show up (laughs) in that steward's household? I mean, Boromir for sure had all of the... the family pictures up, mm-hmm. but Faramir, instead of being crazy about it, just like went and got himself a job and built himself a community out in the in the forest. He sought validation. <laughs> yes. As Robin Hood, because right. he didn't have it from his father. Denethor. Meanwhile, Boromir probably took himself a little too seriously as yep. oldest and mm-hmm. um, probably couldn't ask for help. So <laughs> we are all just out here doing our best. Yeah, we love the family dynamics of this group. Absolutely. Faramir is is my favorite, as I mentioned in the last episode. Mm-hmm. But, oh, God, I don't have his chills. So... <laughs> 
Well, certainly not when you were um, maybe entering high school. <laughs> no, there is there was no chill. There's marginally more chill now, but like, I am who I am. <laughs> <laughs> We've leaned into the reality. Yes. Yep. <laughs> Well, speaking of leaning in, mm-hmm. I would love to lean into your story for today around our theme of knowledge. What do you have for us? I got a good one. And it was it was easy for me because when I think of knowledge in a, in a community setting, the first thing that, that pops into my mind is the Harry Potter community. Because, wow, they... They hoard, they share, they trivia each other with the knowledge. And there's there's a wealth of knowledge there in that one very specific topic. So a few years ago, I applied to be a volunteer at LeakyCon and was selected. LeakyCon is a multi-day Harry Potter convention. It's a lot of fun. The company that puts it on is called Mischief Management, which is great. LeakyCon, it's almost entirely driven by fan-made content. So people submit to be presenters on different topics, and then it basically runs as a conference where you get to sit in on different topics that you find interesting. And that can range from queer readings of Harry Potter characters to Harry Potter cooking classes. There's craft rooms, there's trivia tournaments. It's just a wealth of Harry Potter knowledge coming together in these two or three days. As a volunteer, you get to attend the convention for free. And I remember sitting in on a particularly intellectual session that was titled something like Albus Percival Wolfric Brian Plot Device Dumbledore. And the one woman who ran this basically gave a 40-minute in-depth presentation TED talk about how Dumbledore's only purpose in the book is to move the narrative along and provide backstory, context, and general world building, but isn't a real functioning character. She explained that's why he makes some of his questionable character decisions, like leaving an infant Harry on a doorstep with a note. Most people wouldn't do that, and it's because he's not a real character, he's just a plot device. And so after her presentation, which I found fascinating, she fielded questions from the audience that were similarly rooted in knowledge of this general Harry Potter world, although she was the clear expert in the room. And I remember reflecting in that conference room in Dallas, Texas, on what a a joy it was to have all of this knowledge on a topic that I'm very interested in and passionate about and wrestling perspectives flowing within this group. In today's chapter, Faramir, my heart and soul, is clearly the most knowledgeable character we speak to, and he has a real respect for learning. It's not really until we get to the end of the chapter, though, when Sam accidentally lets the word ring slip, that Frodo, Sam, and Faramir are able to have a meeting of the minds and share openly about what to do next, and that open dialogue came when everyone had the same set of facts and was operating with the same shared knowledge. And so that reminded me of the lecture in LeakyCon and everyone's thoughtful responses and what sort of meaning making and community building can happen when you're sharing knowledge and you have the same shared knowledge as some sort of context and backstory in order to make more meaningful connections moving forward. That 
sounds like a really interesting conversation. And I think that makes me think of two things, uh, Mm -hmm. unrelated things. One is there's a cartoonist who is absolutely delightful, who has an Instagram presence under the handle Emily's Cartoons. Mm -hmm. And she writes delightful cartoons about sort of the silliness of Dumbledore. So I do recommend checking her out because I find them to be just downright amusing. Oh, I think I've seen them. (laughs) Okay. She very much leans into the very chaotic nature of Dumbledore's actions and decisions. But I do think that also helps us to interrogate that text a little bit more. In him functioning as a plot device, it feels often like a good parallel to women in action movies, right? You are a plot device because you are getting kidnapped or you are killed. And that's the motivation for our actual hero to, you know, start on a quest or to avenge your death or whatever. And so I am going to be thinking a lot about that shared knowledge and just am really envious that that was something that you got to be a part of. Plus the costumes. <laughs> yeah, plus the costumes. You have a t-shirt to wear when you're volunteering, but then other than that, you can come in full costume. And I did. And I did. You did. <laughs> that's my that's my story today. Um, we love crossing fandoms, and both, both of us are huge Harry Potter fans. I think there's a lot of crossover between Lord of the Rings and, and HP. So I'm glad that we got to bring a little bit of that shared knowledge into today's discussion. But now it's time to double down on the actual characters and story at hand, the Lord of the Rings. So how about you take us through what happened in today's chapter? Okay, there were many things many, that happened many things. in this chapter. So my summary is a little longer than usual, but bear with me. I think I tried to still call out the most important bits that are going to set us up for some of the later conversations in the chapter and some of the decisions made post this chapter. So we start our chapter, Sam awakes to find uh, Frodo being questioned by Faramir. And it's pretty evident that Faramir suspects Frodo of not being entirely truthful about the purpose of his journey, his intent in traveling, maybe what he's carrying with him, who he knows, just all of it, major suspect to Faramir. And then through that conversation, Faramir reveals that Boromir is dead in kind of a test of Frodo's veracity. Sam ultimately is really frustrated with Faramir's questions and bursts into this conversation and kind of shames Faramir for taking these roundabout paths to uncover information. And ultimately, Faramir really schools him, which as much as I love Sam, it was an interesting and funny moment where Faramir is just like, okay, sir, please take a seat. We're not quite done here. Faramir then reveals he is Boromir's brother and reveals as well that he has like a vision of sorts about Boromir's death. And he tells us that it's not a dream, that he was awake when it happened, but that it was almost like a premonition. Um, But ultimately, Faramir decides that Frodo and Sam cannot go their own way and cannot go alone. So they're going to go with his men. Once they start walking, Faramir sort of admits to Frodo that he cut off the conversation because he sensed that he was nearing important information that not everybody in the group should have. 
and so sort of starts to talk a bit more privately with Frodo. He guesses around what Frodo is protecting, i.e. the ring. Frodo relays that Gandalf fell in Moria um, because Gandalf is known under a different name to Faramir. And then Faramir sort of goes on to state his worthiness as a travel partner and that his love is really only for his city and so he has no desire to know more or to pursue this like hidden weapon which he suspects Frodo of having. In a couple of different um, scenes we get a sense that Gollum is perhaps still following the group though uh, it's just a sort of dark shadow with big eyes so I think we're left with a reasonable assurance that it's Gollum, but that name is not said. As they near, the group does the sort of journey with all of Faramir's men. Sam and Frodo are blindfolded and brought to the secret lair under a waterfall. The men dine with Frodo and Sam. Frodo and Sam so excited to have like wine and meats and cheeses and fresh fruits instead of just Lembus bread. So bless little Sam's heart. He got a he got like a real meal. And then after dinner, Frodo and Sam chat with Faramir about their journey. Faramir shares a lot of lore and history. Right towards the end of the chapter, Sam sort of slips up. I'm feeling a camaraderie with Faramir about elves, mentions the ring, and Frodo is aghast. And Sam is immediately repentant, but ultimately Faramir holds to his earlier promise and swears not to like ask, see, or use the ring, not to know any more about it. And that actually in knowing that he's much more willing to help Frodo and Sam go where they need to go next. And we close our chapter with Frodo and Sam resting. Bless them. Bless them. I love how much sleep and food they're getting over this last chapter and then the, the past chapter and this one. Mm-hmm. It's wonderful. They've earned it. They need it. Absolutely. Before we get into the examples portion, mm-hmm. I want to talk a little bit about this premonition slash actual floating by of Boromir. Right. That Faramir has. I think it happens in real life. I feel like that's where him and Frodo end their discussion. Right. Is that... They're like, oh, but it's the elf boat, so it actually happened. Was that how you read it, or did you think it was more dreamlike? Well, this is a great question, because Faramir is very clear that it's not a dream, because he notes being awake. Frodo attributes it to more of a vision, Mm -hmm. so a waking understanding of what's happened, and maybe a natural sort of conclusion of Faramir hearing the Horn of Gondor. And then it ends, and he's like, but no, I definitely saw this boat. Like, here's what I saw, and it went past me. But I thought there was an implication that the boat couldn't have gotten to where Faramir said that he was by just traveling down the river. Like, something about that geography wouldn't have checked out. Well, Frodo said that no way would a boat have survived going over the falls, because if we remember both book and movie, the Viking ship sent him, sent Boromir over the falls of Rauros. Right. And Frodo's like, nothing would have made it past that. Mm -hmm. And that's when Faramir goes, well, where did the boat come from? And he's like, Lothlorien. And Faramir says, well, you don't know anything about Lothlorien. Obviously, things coming out of there are magic. Right. Which is reasonable because we 
Frodo's like, yeah, a regular rope. No, magic rope. And now he's like, eh, it's just a regular boat. No, magic boat. Magic boat, but also like magic, magic orb of something around the boat, which would have kept Boromir in the boat. Yep. Like that's the piece where I kept getting lost is like, okay, the boat's magical, sure. But like somehow it also holds Boromir in it. Yeah, like maybe you can't fall out of a... Lothlorien boat. I don't know. It's like a safety feature, like an elf life fest. <laughs> Can't leave unless you try. Can't leave unless you're really making an effort. Or like the boat somehow, like the rope, right, senses the moment. Yeah. And is like, no, no, we need to protect this cargo. Right. Not 100% sure. But it definitely seemed real enough for there to be some shared understanding that Boromir is no longer like a conscious person on Middle Earth. Right, and he, Faramir has seen him as he's been changed by Lothlorien, because he saw him with the belt. Right. Galadriel's belt. The gift that she gives when she doesn't know what to get you, she gets you a belt. She gets you a belt. And I imagine, I know, I'm sure, I mean, it's elven craftwork, so assuredly it's gorgeous. In my mind's eye, the first image that popped was one of those like sad little paperclip belts that um, middle schoolers used to make in the leaves. early aughts, <laughs> but with leaves around his warrior hips. So yeah, those are the events of the chapter. What examples among these various events did you see of our theme today? The examples are left and right. Everywhere there is knowledge. Knowledge hidden. Knowledge freely given. Knowledge sought. Knowledge lost. Wow. So let's go ahead and start on page 304. So the first example is on the first page of the chapter. And this is a a longer segment, but it's Faramir seeking the knowledge that Frodo has of Frodo's doings, the company, where is he going, why is he going there, and Frodo pretty successfully conceals without outright lying, but just sort of talks around the issue. And this is told from Sam's point of view, quote, Sam soon became aware that the captain was not satisfied with Frodo's account of himself at several points, what part he had to play in the company that set out from Rivendell, why he had left Boromir, and where he was now going. In particular, he referred often to Isildur's bane. Plainly, he saw that Frodo was concealing from him some matter of great importance. So this is where Faramir just spends a lot of time trying to get the information out of Frodo. In a pretty direct way, yes. right? Like, And he owns that later, where he's like, mm, I see that I should have perhaps been more subtle in requesting yeah, and, this instead information. Of, like doing a war crime trial with 200 men seated crisscross applesauce in a semicircle with us <laughs> in the middle. That was not like the most subtle way to have a chat. Right. They were all <laughs> around him for story time. Yes, it was. It was like story time with Frodo in the middle. Mm-hmm. And Sam woke up and he got to see that. Right. And then pretty shortly after this, on page 306 and 307, Faramir now has the knowledge that that Frodo doesn't, so that the tables have turned. And this is where he shares it in two parts. The first part is him sharing that he knows Boromir is dead, and the second part is sharing that he's Boromir's brother. And the, the quote about the brother 
<laughs> he just really buries at the end of this whole paragraph of like all the stuff he's going to say. Tidings of death have many wings. Night oft bring news to near kindred, tis said. Boromir was my brother. Boom. Yeah. Faramir loves a pretty word, and he he kept that very straightforward fact hidden at the, at the bottom. Mm-hmm. But then, even as he tells Frodo that Boromir is dead, he is still looking for more knowledge from Frodo. And the quote that I have on that, which is on page 306, quote, As to the manner of his death, I had hoped that his friend and companion would tell me how it was. So this is, these whole first four pages is just a back and forth of who knows what, are we trusting to reveal, what's the, what's the game plan, what knowledge am I looking for that I'm missing, and they, they do that back and forth for quite some time. The next example I have is on page 311. I, I don't know why this sentence I just thought was kind of funny, so here it is. This is Faramir speaking, quote, now, I loved him dearly and would gladly avenge his death, yet I knew him well. <laughs> and That's uh, a brother for you. That's a brother for you. <laughs> uh, and then he goes on to talk about how Boromir would have wanted this, he calls it an heirloom, this powerful heirloom. I think only a sibling here could have been like, in this person's death, I can still point out their flaws and discuss them frankly because I know them better than most. And we're going to say, Boromir, I would avenge his death, but here's what I imagine happened. And I just, it made me, it made me chuckle that Faramir was being so, so frank in that moment. Yeah, he definitely has that. I love him. And in the same breath, and he's kind of a bonehead. Yeah. So I know I know that how he could have caused an issue because I've seen him do it a hundred times. But only I can talk to you about how he can cause this issue. Like, you can't... Right. Because earlier he was accusing Frodo of treachery and killing Boromir. Right. So he's like, this, this can only go one way. Only I can bring this up. Right. The next example is again from Faramir, sharing some of his knowledge on page 313. And this is at the top of the page, quote, We in the house of Denethor know much about ancient lore by long tradition, and there are moreover in our treasuries many things preserved, books and tablets writ on withered parchments, yea, and on stone and on leaves of silver and gold in divers characters. Some none can now read, and for the rest few ever unlock them. I can read a little in them, for I have had teaching. I picked this paragraph because it points out the fact that his people Denethor his family their lineage really value knowledge and we'll talk later about a little bit how that has faded away but that is still something that is built into their community and in their culture and they have all of these records of lore and from this we also know that he has learned something of Isildur's bane And he has a a pretty educated guess as to what it is is being carried. We find out later that he has the exact right guess. But this last part of the sentence also shows that this knowledge is not readily available. It doesn't seem like just anybody can come in and learn about this history, about this great evil that is potentially lurking. 
he learned a little bit from Gandalf, who he basically had to beg to teach him about it. And it doesn't seem like there are there's a lot of free sharing of knowledge, even though this is a culture that once held it in very high esteem. Yeah, and I think we might talk about it later. I thought that I thought that conversation about how they've shifted from knowledge seeking to a much more warrior and war focused culture mm-hmm. was one that was really interesting to me. And it felt much more like a cultural shift, but perhaps an active choice by leadership in a way that we don't often talk about, even when knowledge may be a core tenant. What does it take to kind of refute what have been your values as a community? And I thought that was kind of an interesting an interesting point that Faramir makes. Well, let's let I have two more examples, but let's come back to those and skip to page 323 where they have that conversation. And Faramir explains that they're like these three houses of men in his culture's mind. And we start with the Numenorians, who are the, the high men or the men of the West. And then there's the middlemen, the men of twilight, and the men of darkness. Mm. And it seems like that is, I don't know if it's how long you live or how much you like knowledge. Because we know that Aragorn is somebody of the men of the West has like a much longer lifespan than regular humans, who I think would probably be the middle peoples. But the, the full quote that I, really talks about this is from Faramir. Quote, For as the Rohirrim do, we now love war and valor as things good in themselves, both a sport and an end. And though we still hold that a warrior should have more skills and knowledge than only the craft of weapons and slaying, we esteem a warrior nonetheless. Basically saying that we still think you should be learned and you should know things beyond just basic survival and fighting, but we also think it's cool to be buff. (laughs) Right, and then he kind of throws a little bit more shade again on Boromir to say, like, this is why Boromir (laughs) rose to the moment. Boromir just wanted to be buff. (laughs) He really wanted to get swole. Mm -hmm. He is about that life. And I do think then that's a little dig from Tolkien as well to say, and so perhaps for lack of that knowledge, right, and because he's so focused on power and winning a war, he's focused on the ring in a way that Faramir can understand very differently Mm -hmm. and that is maybe more readily able to, Faramir is, to assess the risk in such a powerful entity or heirloom as he calls it. Mm -hmm. And Boromir is... That's exactly what's drawing him to it. That reminds me of back when we're in the Karadras and all of the snow. And Boromir has that one quote about like, oh, if you can't think your way out of it, just run through the snow. Big men will mm-hmm. out or something like that. <laughs> That's me paraphrasing the, the mood of that quote. Mm-hmm. I don't think Faramir would ever say anything like that. Probably not. Yeah. <laughs> he's the He's the like brother who in high school was probably like playing cello but also on the soccer team and then Mm -hmm. Boromir was like the football captain yes in the rom-com version of their lives Uh (laughs) 
like Boromir is definitely the captain of a major sport mm-hmm. and Faramir is the one who gets really good grades but like also helps his brother sneak out mm-hmm. <laughs> and like is on like an Ivy League track. Yeah. And he and yeah. he somehow like gets the hotter girl at the end. Mm-hmm. Who like mm-hmm. was originally scorned by her peers. Anyway, we have just rewritten this trademark. Yeah, trademark. Um <laughs> This is our story now. It will start as Lord of the Rings fan fiction, but end as like a four-part HBO miniseries, and I have high hopes. Y'all, we need something to do after this podcast is over, um, so we will be creating our own content. Gondor high. I'm obsessed. (laughs) This is happening. So now that we've written a wonderful romance novel, we can go to page 316. And on page 316, we will find that the merry men do not like it when you know where their hideout is. Mm. Quote, but it is a command that no stranger, not even one of Rohan that fights with us, shall see the path we now go with open eyes. I must blindfold you. It's another Faramir moment where he just leaves the most important part to, like, the very end. Like, what the actual mm-hmm. <laughs> key bit of information is. Mm-hmm. So they're blindfolded and then they're led to this secret cave. But it shows that this community of the, the rangers of Athelion, I like calling them the Merry Men because I think they, they really give me that energy. Mm-hmm. They value the secrecy and hold the knowledge of where this hideout is, how it was built, how it's maintained. Very, very secret. So secret that if you're not a part of this secret group, even if you're someone from Rohan, Rohan, you can't come. You can't know. You can't sit with us. Yeah. But you, well, you can be if you blindfolded. And we're going to spin you around three times and pick you up. And if you can find it again, it'll be a miracle. And I really felt for Frodo in that moment because, as you know, my motion sickness is right. absurdly ridiculous. And I would have had to be, like, carried yes. the rest of the way had I been spun kind of quickly three times. Yeah, I'm like, or give me your mask and I'm going to vom straight into it because <laughs> I am, my equilibrium is off. I am not okay. And then when they're in there, they have this wonderful meal. Um, again, another feast. They feasted now two chapters in a row, so we're, they're back in their hobbit flow. And Frodo and Sam do not know the customs of this community. So everyone stands and looks to the west, and Faramir does this little sort of like a one-line prayer thing and asks if they have such custom at meat, M-E-A-T, Mm-hmm. Because there is no meal in Gondor without meat. And Frodo says, no, said Frodo, feeling strangely rustic and untutored. So this is, I'm, I'm sure anyone who has traveled outside of 50 miles from where they grew up has experienced some sort of new custom, new chain, new slang, something that is just different from, from what you know. And you can feel a little wrong-footed whenever that happens. So I felt for Frodo here, he wasn't able to read ahead and learn the, the customs of this land which he's traveling in. But I think it makes Faramir a very good steward that he explains mm-hmm. this to both Frodo and Sam so that they can, even though that isn't their cultural 
practice that they can still participate or not disturb what's happening. Mm -hmm. And so it was a nice sharing of knowledge there, I felt like, and that allowed them to participate a bit more respectfully in the community. So it's always nice to have someone who can kind of translate what's happening for you. Yeah, he did a great job there being being a guide and then also asking a nice probing question about their own customs. Mm-hmm. We love Faramir. And that was my that was my last example. There were a lot of options to choose from, but I think I got some of the the bigger juicier ones throughout the the chapter. Absolutely. Those are great examples. So next up, my favorite segment of each pod, Talking with Tolkien. Anna, what quotes did you bring today? Well, I had a couple, and let's just dive right into them. So the first that I had was on page 306, where Sam is confronting Faramir about his roundabout questioning. And there's one part in particular that I really like from this quote, Mm -hmm. so I'll read the whole thing. Quote, he planted himself squarely in front of Faramir, his hands on his hips, and a look on his face as if he was addressing a young hobbit who had offered him what he called sauce when questioned about visits to the orchard. I love this so much. (laughs) That was my talking with Tolkien, too. (laughs) The sauce part. Yeah, I wasn't prepared for that. It's hilarious. (laughs) I'm like... First of all, didn't realize, like, now I wanted to look into the etymology of saucy because mm-hmm. I don't know when it came to be, but I love that someone was giving Sam sauce and he had the ability to <laughs> to not acknowledge that. Right, in, like, the Middle Earth year yes. 1311 or whatever it is. Calling it, saying, getting some sauce. <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah, that part made me laugh out loud. I was getting my hair done, too, which was (laughs) awkward, but that's fine. Changing tone entirely, then on page 310, as we've learned, Faramir has a way of speaking, in part, it's likely because he is a learned man, Mm -hmm. but he has lots of interesting quotes, lots of interesting ways of presenting information. And on page 310, he says, quote, Strange chances, but murder will out, tis said. And I have a lot of questions about that phrase. Like, who is saying this? How often will murder out? It's just Faramir. It's just Faramir Faramir. saying it. Like, tis said, it means Faramir says it. Yeah, nobody else is talking like that. Boromir didn't really talk like that. His other men aren't really talking like that. It's just Faramir. He read it one time in a book yeah. that he just really wanted to bring in so that you know that he knows <laughs> that he's smart and has read that book. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so good. And then the last one is my favorite. It's on page 324. And it is Sam explaining Lady Galadriel yes. to Faramir. <laughs> and this is such so a good. bomb quote. Yeah. Okay, so some context, right? Faramir has used the word perilous to describe the lady, mm-hmm. and Sam takes a little offense to that. So he says, quote, But perhaps you could call her perilous because she's so strong in herself. And I thought, how quickly can I put that up in my home somewhere? Yes. Oh, so good. <laughs> Those are my three quotes. I what like did you that. have? I actually like the full quote of that one where he goes on to describe that she's like soft like this and hard like that and 
could dash yourself upon the rocks, but it wouldn't be the rock's fault. Mm-hmm. I love that. Um, I had the sauce quote. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because how could you not? Such a good quote. And then the other one I had, I had to read a couple of times because I was confused visually how this cave worked. Hmm. And so I, I read through it a couple of times. I'm like, okay, there's the entrance. There's a waterfall. Do you go through the waterfall? What is this? Mm-hmm. But the way they described it was really beautiful. Quote, The level shafts of the setting sun behind beat upon it, and the red light was broken into many flickering beams of ever-changing color. It was as if they stood at the window of some elven tower, curtained with threaded jewels of silver and gold and ruby, sapphire and amethyst, all kindled with an unconsuming fire. Because what they're looking at, the window on the west, is the setting sun behind this waterfall. And once I got my bearings as to where the doors were, how they had entered, and how they will exit, I was able to really enjoy the the beauty here that Tolkien has laid out for us in this wonderful stained glass waterfall. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, it struck me like a stained glass window as well that we have these very like rich and royal colors, right? So also probably implying a little bit of the lineage of Faramir and sort of the the lore that they're going to discuss in this cave that we have, you know, jewel tones as our descriptors for the space. Yeah, we love the jewel tones. Love a good sapphire. Mm-hmm. Very good. Yeah, those are all, all my talkings with Tolkien. Which means that it is both time and space for your action item. What do you have for us today regarding knowledge and community? So today's action item is a discussion topic slash conversation starter. And the the action is to ask someone, what is a topic you know a lot about? And the question, what's a topic you want to learn more about? Both of these should be followed up with a why so that you can dig in a little bit deeper with this person and strengthen your community. And of course, a genuine interest in what the other person has to say. Awesome. I love that. What's a topic you want to learn more about? Oof. There are very few topics I don't want to learn more about. One that's really interesting that I've been trying to read a book about for a long time, which is pretty uncharacteristic of me, is about behavioral economics. Mm, mm -hmm. It's very interesting. I have no econ training whatsoever. So that's proving a little challenging to read through. But it is a very interesting application of essentially human behavior and how that sometimes proves standard economic models as problematic because they don't account for the irrational brain making Mm -hmm. choices as it relates to money. Um, So it's been a very eye-opening. I reference it a lot for someone who hasn't really fully read it or understood it, but that is definitely a topic I would like to know more about. Oh, I love that. The Planet Money just did an episode about that. Actually, you should check it out. Did they? Oh, I will have to. I do have that. I have that bookmark, so I'm sure it's in my feed somewhere. I would like to learn... I would like to learn more about New York City. Hmm. I feel like there is so much here and there is so much specific history here that I don't know much about. You know, when you're 
U.S. history class in high school, you only kind of get the the broad strokes of the country as a whole. And you and I went to the Tenement Museum, and that was super interesting. I felt like I learned a lot there. Mm-hmm. But it, there just seems to be a lot of layers to the city that I don't know about. And I would love to learn more about that and maybe learn some of the less told aspects of the city so that I can have a, a better understanding as to why we are where we are now. Like, mm-hmm. Why does the subway flood every time it rains more than two inches? <laughs> I would love to learn about stuff like that. Yeah, especially because as far as United States history goes, it is a very old city, right? Yeah. So, like, the subway system is one of the first in the world, and it was first put in in, like, 1904. That's pretty old for the U.S., or I I think around there, early 1900s. And you're talking about a city that grows and changes so much that to have infrastructure also keep pace with the city is something that I think is really interesting. Well, we've done half of the action item now, but that's that's what I want you to go ask somebody about. And it's good to reflect on yourself, but of course, seeing what other people know a lot about and what they want to learn more about is a good way to, to build that relationship. Yeah, definitely. Well, thank you for another stunning conversation. We are halfway through book four. <laughs> right. Right. Just trucking along over here. <laughs> and enjoying it, can I just say I would like to I would like to call past me out mm-hmm. because I had very low expectations for this book. Mm-hmm. We said it a bunch. There is a lot of walking mm-hmm. and we're halfway through. I have enjoyed our conversation and the story immensely and much more so than i had anticipated so i have been pleasantly surprised at how wrong i was we apologize to mr J.R.R. tolkien for throwing shade on the second half of this book it was unduly thrown but i also reserve my right to come back to that yeah but we're only halfway through (laughs) (laughs) we will but so far so good check in on that later (laughs) right Today's podcast is brought to you by Eyes That Blink When You Stumble and Pre-Dinner Neck Washing. Our music is by Robert Zahn and Simon Dom. If you have thoughts on today's episode or homework assignment, send us a voicemail or email at infellowshippodcast at gmail.com. You can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Remember to take care of your community, stay hydrated, and thank you for joining us today in Fellowship. Uh, the steel drum band is back. So. Perfect. Is this a Sunday night thing? Do we need I think to change our time? Sun- <laughs> I think it's now a Sunday thing where they're like, yeah. Um, but they did a really wonderful uh, rendition of Toto's Africa. Nice. Like, like steel drum. I love that for you. Yeah, I'll record it the next time it happens. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> But now it's time to double down on the theme, the Lord of the Rings. Let's go. <laughs> oh? Oh? Is that what we're doing let here me, today? Let me try that again. <laughs> I love that so much. <laughs>